Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second semi-sporadic summer episode of uh, Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host and good friend, Steve. Steve, how are you doing this fine morning? Hello, Brett, and hello, everybody. Um, this is the best week of the year. It is NBA Draft Week, and um, you know, for all the draft nerds out there, uh, it's, it's Christmas come early, so hope everyone's excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I am, and I, I know you are, too, because we just, uh, you know, we talked about it this weekend. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on right now uh, in the NBA world, um, but we have always liked to focus on on that magical Thursday where basically anything can happen. Uh, and this year seems as good as any uh, outside the top pick. Um, and I think that, you know, fans of the Big Ten will be will be relatively engaged Uh you know, on Thursday, as as a number of of notable names are called, uh, and and certain Big Ten players begin take the first steps to their pro career. Um, and so, with that in mind, I think you know, let's talk about kind of the guys that people will expect to see come off the board early. And I think we should start with, you know, in in what in my mind has to be one of two uh, of the highest kind of stock risers since the season ended. Um, I, the along with uh, I I think Wembenyama's teammate. I think I think you know the guy that kind of I've seen up to you know mocked up to eighth uh, and kind of anywhere towards the back half of the lottery, um, and that's Michigan guard Kobe Bufkin. Um, I think we should start there, Steve. I have talked a lot about how I've I liked his game a lot this year. You, you know, you've talked about how you've you've liked his game and kind of the the skill development. Did you see potential top ten pick coming before the pre-draft process started? Well, maybe it depends on what you define as. Pre-draft, I think you know he had a he had a really good he had a really good year, you know, an even better second half of the year in you know in, in his sophomore season. And I don't know that I saw him like sliding into the top ten, but I think when the year ended, I, I think you know it was likely for him to go top fifteen, and you know for him to slot somewhere between that that ten and, and twenty slot. Yeah, I think when you think about just kind of the the game of, you know, the modern guard now, he has a lot of things, you know, to, to like in that regard. Um, he, he came into the year as, you know, expected to be sort of like an off-ball um, two guard. But, you know, he, he really showed that he can facilitate an offense, too. You know, he's, he's, he's got a good jumper. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the mid-range. He's, the, he's kind of a, a slithery driver. He can... He's got a lot of moves once he gets into the paint. He's got floater. He can finish, um, and he can pass the ball too. So he, he can really do a lot of things offensively. I mean, you know, he he's not he's not a big guy. You know, so you wonder just you know that ability to finish. Will he need to to put some weight on? And you know, he's he's kind of stealthy and agile. But um, you know, will his you know th- does he have the speed to you know stick in the NBA? I think all those are sort of fair questions. But I think. I mean, he proved in his he proved in his sophomore year that he is really, really skilled as a tactician with the ball in his hands. I mean, even off the ball a little bit, too. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot to like it as far as how his game can translate to the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm right there with you. Um, something that really surprised me uh, during the research for this is that he's one of the elite finishers at the rim in this draft, especially amongst amongst all the guards um, and kind of perimeter players has one of the highest percentages of finishing at the rim, uh, which which obviously, you know, uh, it 
six four um, may not be as easy in the NBA, but the fact that he was able to do it consistently in college, especially this year, will help him a lot. And and you had mentioned his facilitation, uh, which got so much better as they kind of relied on him more with the ball later on in the year. So yeah, I think most teams he would fit in on. I think um, I mean if you're someone that really wants to see him succeed right away, I think you're looking at Toronto and maybe Utah as just kind of places where there's going to be minutes and, you know, he's not going to be expected to perform on a contending team right away, which is fine. Um, but I think, I think Toronto with, you know, a lot of moving parts would be uh, a really interesting opportunity for him to start his career. So, all right. Um, moving on, uh, we can, we can go to our, uh, second, we can, we can stay in the state of Michigan, uh, and stay with Jet Howard. I think, you know, along with someone we'll mention later is is somewhat of a polarizing prospect. I think no one really doubts his ability to shoot the ball, but he obviously was hurt for a decent part of the year. Uh, I think there are questions about, you know, the kind of player he is from like a toughness standpoint. Um, but in today's NBA, shooting will get you paid. Um, and I've seen him kind of anywhere from, you know, the the middle of the lottery you know, kind of middle back of the lottery to kind of in the twenties with, with Brooklyn's two picks there. How do you think, I mean, obviously he can come in and, and shoot. That's not really an issue, but do you think he's better served on a team that, that can let him develop for a little bit and develop other facets of his, of his game? Or do you think he'd be able to help a contending team uh, towards the end of the first round more? You know, I, I, I think he's going to have to end up in a situation where he's, he's got time to develop. I think he's a little bit more interesting of a prospect just because he sort of came into this year. He came into this year sort of projected to be a, you know, late lottery to mid first round pick. And he's sort of stayed there. I think it's clear that from like a shooting standpoint, you know, he's got NBA level skill there. Athletically, he's got NBA level skill there, but where I think he, I think his problems start are on the defensive end. I, I almost want to call him a three and D guy, but he's, he's, he's without the, the D, which, you know, is, uh, I think especially for young players, that's the way you earn your way onto the court. And so, you know, I, I mean, the, the potential with him is, is obvious, you know, when you watch him play, because, you know, he, it, it's not just that he's a good shooter. I mean, he can, knock shots down off the dribble. He's got incredible range and he can make shots with, with hands in his face. So I think it's clear from like a offensive playmaking standpoint that, you know, he's got the potential to be a really, really good NBA player. Um, you know, you mentioned the toughness. I think one of the disappointing things, you know, throughout the regular season was he, he really, he was not Michigan's alpha in the sense that he, you know, wasn't really taking their, their crunch time shots and sort of disappeared late in the second half of the game. So I think that's a, a huge red flag from like a cultural standpoint, you know, as far as where he goes, I think that's going to limit his ceiling as far as how high he goes in the draft here. I think like, look, if you're drafting this guy, you're taking him because you think he can, you can make him serviceable on the defensive end or because you think that he's just going to be a dude when it comes to scoring. And honestly, I don't know that I see any of those jumping off the the page to me. So I, I think he needs to go somewhere. I mean, I, yeah, I think um, eight, 18 to Miami is an interesting spot because, you know, they're known for sort of um, for just their player development and all that stuff. But I, I, I don't see him. I, I think if he goes to a, a true contender, he's not going to play. Um, 
and I just I don't think he's gonna go like top fifteen. I don't think he's he's good enough to do that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you look at kind of the teams that have those ten to fifteen picks, and you see some interesting fits. Uh, I think Orlando needs a lot of shooting at at eleven. In theory, he's the right. He's he's an interesting fit. Atlanta, uh, which I believe took the fewest threes in the league, is at sitting there at fifteen. Um, but you look at the board and you see, I, in my opinion at least, you see better players, more established players on there. Um, so I think, yeah, Miami's really interesting. Um, I, if I'm him, I really don't want to be in Houston or, you know, like Brooklyn where it's, you know, there's, there's kind of a lack of a veteran presence to kind of help that helps be that development because yeah, I think, I think he can get there. I think he's going to need to improve a lot, even just effort wise on the defensive end, you know, that I think says a lot more than any, you know, overwhelming talent coming out of, of college. But I think, yeah, there's, like you said, Lots of potential, um, and if he can get with a coaching staff, especially that really you know drills the defensive end into him, and also can facilitate a little bit of playmaking, I think the the potential is still very very high there. Um, all right, so let's move to I think the consensus, you know, some like third ish or or first. I don't know. There, there's a lot of a lot of uh, variability on on this guy also, but. Um, Jalen Hood Shafino, I think, who projects as, you know, a guy that can't, you know, he had obviously had to handle the ball a lot at Indiana um, after Xavier Johnson got hurt. But, you know, when I saw at the beginning of the season and kind of when he was able to play off ball, um, I saw a lot of really interesting things from him. And obviously he's got more experience handling the ball now, so it uh, can it can work. Um, but I think he needs some time to really kind of develop into an NBA point guard. But I think. The offensive skills are definitely there. Um, I think that he's, you know, got a ways to go on the defensive end, but he, you know, he plays pretty hard um, and he comes from a, at least one year at Indiana under Mike Woodson, who's got kind of the, obviously the NBA experience. Um, And I, I mean, I think that I'm higher on Chifino, I think, than a decent amount of, of the mock drafts are. Um, But I think, I think you're looking at someone that, you know, the Raptors or the Pelicans kind of would be targeting right at 13 or 14, especially based on team need. And, and I think with him, it's it's weird to say this like about a freshman one and done guy, but I actually don't think that I don't think there's um, I, every player obviously has a ton of like developmental, you know, gaps that they need to close. But I think with him, for a one-and-done guy, you're getting a very, very polished product compared to a lot of other one-and-done guys. Um, I mean, he what, I mean, whether he lands as a two-guard or more of like a point guard, I mean, he, he can legit score. You know, and I think his, his body's maybe a little bit more NBA-ready, especially than compared to the first two guys that we talked about. I think the, the biggest thing to me that stood out about Hood Shifino just in watching him through the conference season was that, you know, he – he took on a leadership position for Indiana, um, especially like after Xavier Johnson went down and he carried that team for good portions of the conference play. You know, he had a a couple of like super, super high percentage, like 30 point games for them in big games. I think you you all remember that game against um, Purdue in West Lafayette when he, he basically dragged them there. He's, he's really solid in mid range. Um, He's just a smooth, like he, he looks like he's a smooth, He's a smooth operator out there. Um, I, and I, I think from that sense, 
his ceiling is almost like higher than the first two guys that we talked about when it comes to like how good of an NBA player he can be, because I, I feel like he has, he has it, you know, he has that dog in him. He, he's, he made big shots. He, he you know, proverbially put the team on his back, even with, you know, like Trace Jackson Davis on that team too. Um, I, I, if you were going to reach for him, it'd be more because of the intangibles there than I think anything else. Um, but that, that's not to discount the fact that he's a really smooth operator offensively, either off the ball or with the ball in his hands. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, the point guard skills can develop a little bit, the decision making and, and, you know, you can he's not the strongest three point shooter just yet. But I mean, all things considered, those are things that that an NBA coaching staff will will really be able to coax out of him, um, and especially because, you know, he he tries hard and is already a pretty good defender. Um, and I think. You know, at six four, he might be kind of relegated to playing more point guard, and I think like an interesting fit would be him next to Scotty Barnes as two kind of creators in Toronto. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, New Orleans is is trying to do away with the CJ McCollum point guard experiment, so I think that would be a really interesting fit as well. Um, so I think yeah, that that kind of thirteen to to sixteen range, you know, Utah also could be could be really interesting as they're kind of rounding into. Um, kind of figuring out what the their pieces are going to be going forward, and they've got two picks. Um, so yeah, I, I I really like pretty much any of those options. Um, all right, let's let's move to uh, Iowa, where Fran McCaffrey will have a second or a first round pick for the second year in a row. Uh, to several people's shock, but I think what's not surprising is the the talent of Chris Murray, uh, who you know as as much as it is kind of a lazy comparison to put him next to, to Keegan. Um, their games are relatively similar. I'd say Keegan operates at a higher ceiling. Um, and we saw him have an excellent season as the, uh, as a top five pick with the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, I, th- I think Chris does a lot of the same things. Well, he's a really good shooter and that's, what's going to get him minutes initially. Um, but he's got size, he's got rebounding, he's got versatility, um, you know, on the defensive end, I think, you know, the, the ability to be a playmaker is there, um, even though he didn't really need to uh, flash that as much at Iowa. But I think, you know, he's I think he's a, a very solid NBA rotation player to starter, uh, you know, within the next couple of years. And I think that there is a market for him. Um, you know, I think depending on what the Lakers want to do with their pick, um, I think that would be really interesting. Um I think any other, you know, even the Warriors with kind of their need for spacing the floor. Um, I think there are there are a lot of interesting fits for Chris Murray uh, on Thursday. I think the, the biggest thing that strikes out to me about about him is that and, and this is why he I think, you know, landing late in the first round on a contending team could actually be good for him is, you know, he's he's what I call like a, a flow of the offense type player where he lets the game come to him. You know, he doesn't he doesn't need to be ball dominant to uh, make an impact on the game. Uh, but at, at times, um, you know, sometimes he, he'll recede to the background when um, you don't want him to. Um, and I think, you know, on an NBA team, he's obviously, like, not going to be the best player. So, you know, that, that might be okay. But I, I think, you know, as far as, you know, uh, I don't know, like a – uh, of Memphis or like uh, I don't know any other teams late in the first round saying hey like I want to take sort of like a, a flyer on a guy with 
great potential, but can also come in and like be effective um, as a rotation player to begin with. I, I think um, I, I think there's appeal there, but but I think you know more so with him. I mean, you could argue that he's got more upside than any other player in the Big Ten just because of his physical traits, right? Like he's long, he's athletic, he can go in the post, but he can also play on the perimeter. Um, uh, athletically, you know, he can go pound for pound with, um, you know, you know, with, with a lot of these other guys in the NBA, um, and he's versatile defensively, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, I mean, I think he will need to get a little bit bigger. You know, he's what you have six, nine, I think two, like two fifteen or two twenty. like he, he, he'll need to put on some weight, but, um, but, uh, I, you know, I think if you're going to take him. There's a whole lot of upside if you can sort of uh, um, use his athleticism correctly, and you know, having a effective shooter at that size, you know, they'll they'll find their way onto the they'll find his way onto the court, you know, probably pretty early. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like Memphis as a potential landing spot. I mean, they've got needs on the wing, and they their mo, especially late lottery, has been to or late first round, excuse me, has been uh, kind of taking those experienced college players and you know murray's got experience in in some big games and uh you know he's obviously played a huge first option role this year um so yeah but i I think i like you um he's able to fit a variety of roles right away in the nba and i think teams that need a more veteran presence um are are going to be looking seriously at him kind of after the let's say 17th pick um so good good value there um maybe the biggest variance on the entire board from the Big Ten, maybe even the draft, uh, is Ohio State's Bryce Sensabaugh, who is quite a polarizing prospect despite having a pretty productive year, um, shooting 40% from three, uh, 83% from the line. Like, I mean, he established himself very quickly as a three-level scorer for an underachieving Ohio State team, sure. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter to NBA teams. But, I, you know, obviously he... he played a lot worse down the stretch kind of until we got to the big 10 tournament um, as it was abundantly clear that he was the guy that Ohio state was going to go to. Um, And I think that, you know, the, the nadir of that would be his 16 minute fallout against Wisconsin. Um, And so you kind of saw, but you saw both sides of sensible pretty consistently throughout the year. Uh, You saw a very gifted three level scorer and you saw a guy that got so frustrated that he couldn't play 20 minutes a game without falling out. Um, you know, he's also not a good defender, but he's still also 19. So he's he's kind of this walking contradiction of sorts for how exactly he's going to get minutes. He could get drafted in the back half of the lottery. Uh, he could go in the, you know, top third of the second round. I, you know, what what are what are you thinking on, on when you just kind of evaluate his game as an NBA player or as a potential NBA player? I mean, I personally and and to be clear, like Ohio State's problems last year were not like he was he was not the cause of a lot of state a lot of Ohio State's problems. So I think um, it, just to like be clear on that, I think it, it might be d- going too far to call him like a you know like a a bad team good stats guy or even like a bad locker room guy. But I I I think if if I've got one pick in the first round. You know, I'm I'm probably avoiding him just because a lot of those things are red flags. You know, and you you mentioned you know you mentioned the the fouling, um, you mentioned the defense. You know, he did have 
stretches at times where he turned the ball over too. Um, I mean, yeah, his his scoring is is undeniable, and also just, I mean, he's a big, big, strong dude too, and that's you know why he's a good three level scorer and not just a two level scorer, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think if I were to try to circle a team that might take him, I would honestly look for a team that's got multiple first round picks, like in Indiana or Utah, just or even like. Oklahoma City's got a couple, I think, two, or maybe they don't. But um, it, it, it'd be a team that, like, you know, okay, if you're going to take a sure thing with one of your picks, maybe you take a little bit of a risk on him and just sort of see what happens. Um, but, like, if I've only got one pick, I, I feel like I'm going to take a, more of a sure thing. And, you know, that's the reason why I could see him falling, essentially. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's clear from a talent perspective, you know, he's – um, he he is he is a a baller, and I actually you know, when Ohio State made their kind of mini run at the end of the year last year, I think he had a lot to do with it. Um, but man, like you just, I don't know that you can like coach that inconsistency out of out of players necessarily. You can just sort of try to contain it. So when you look at like him, you know, sort of long term, like I don't know that he could ever be like the best player on a championship team. I think you know he'll have to be like a you know, like a, a Ron Artest, like third, third best player on a team where you've got other guys that can kind of keep them, keep them in line. Yeah. Yeah. All, all valid points um, that, that I agree with. I think, I think specifically that I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Indiana and Utah. Um, I think especially, you know, playing next to a, a, a player like Tyrese Halliburton would, would, I think unlock a lot of things for Sensabaugh, um as he doesn't have to be the first option. And that's okay. Like at, you know, 26 or lower, you're not drafting a first, a potential first option. You know, you're drafting kind of someone that you hope can fit in and, and go from there. Um, but it, it is interesting because I'm seeing guys like, you know, Pajemski from Santa Clara being locked in the first round. And I don't know why you take him over Sensaba. Um, so I, th- I think, I think kind of that back half, that, the, the last, you know, five, six picks of the first round are definitely where uh, some team's going to get a good value on, on Bryce Sensaba. Um, but I, like you, I agree. I think he's, Kind of, he, he's there as a scorer, but he's still really young, um, and and there's there's room for improvement. Um, last, I, I guess you know, since Kevin O'Connor keeps mocking Trace Jackson in the first round, I guess we kind of have to talk about him. Um, you know, there's there's a market for guys who can rim protect. Um, there's not as much of a market if those guys are six eight and can't shoot or won't shoot. Um, you know, r- rumors are that he's been Trace Jackson Davis has been shooting it well in his workouts and he's going to need that because I, he, I do not project him as an NBA level five given the six, eight and just his, he's not a like very big six, eight. Um, I mean, you're, you're going to get a guy that plays really hard, plays good defense for his size. Um, and it, you know, is, is a capable off like playmaker to a degree, but I, I'm not drafting him with a first round pick if I have one of those. I, I I agree with you, but I could see him like, you know, landing in a rotation somewhere where just because of his ability in transition and um and and just his his good guy intangibles for lack of a better word like I I I think from a locker room standpoint and just uh doing a lot of the little things right like he, he'll land himself on a second unit and you know get a shot somewhere um I I don't I don't know why this sort of keeps popping into my head but like 
when you think about like the role that Aaron Gordon played on the Nuggets, where and yeah, you know, I mean, he could knock down a shot every once in a while, but like I, I think um, if if he could land on a team where they sort of even if they have like a bigger center that spreads the floor, I think he could like play the four and you know be a lockdown defender, get offensive rebounds. Like I, I, I don't think he. Like, I don't think it'd be that hard to fit him in if he proves athletically and kind of intangibles wise, he can be a strong player in the NBA. Yeah. I think his size is, his size is certainly an issue, um, but he's going to have to do like, he's going to have to find like one or two things that he does really, really well. And whether that's running, whether that's um, transition play, whether that's defense, I, I just, I, I think he's such a, he's, he's been such a leader in his time at Indiana and he's just such a, you know, high effort, like, and even like high efficiency score down there that I think he'll, he'll get an opportunity on a second unit somewhere. But I agree with you. I wouldn't take him in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's, like you said, there's a market for guys that fit that archetype. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see, you know, also, you know, Indiana's got four first for four first round picks, I think. So like that wouldn't be the worst thing to do at 29. Um, all right. So we're going to do a couple quick hitters before we get out of here um, that are more, uh actual college basketball related um although we we hope you are all uh now very ready for for the draft and can carry these conversations into uh thursday night amongst your friends and peers um so the big the big uh draft withdrawal news over since we uh recorded our last podcast uh zach Eady, terrence shannon coleman hawkins all coming back um obviously the ed news shifts the entire balance of the uh landscape of the big 10 uh as the Boilermakers bring back the uh, last year's player of the year um, and pretty much run it back uh, now exclusively minus Brandon Newman. Um, And so I think that's obviously something to watch. Um, You know, we'll talk about that more, obviously, when our season previews become official. Um, But Illinois got some pretty good news with with Shannon and and potentially with Hawkins coming back. Um, I think, you know, it's a a vote of confidence in, in Brad Underwood that they trust him enough to to come back for a year after uh you know some some up and downness but yeah but uh i mean i this makes illinois much more dangerous coming in i guess any any quick thoughts on on those three guys uh, yeah i mean you you kind of hit it with purdue they're gonna be a top three team nationally to start the year so i, I think i don't know that this less i think if anything this increases the pressure on that program and frankly I think it just really sucks to have been in their position in the position that they are now is like, they can't really change anyone's mind about their, you know, branding as a, a, a kind of choke artist team in March until we get to March. So um, I think it's going to be a more tumultuous season there as you think, as they sort of start to feel some of that pressure. I think there's no question that talent wise, they've, they've got a, a great, team and a lot of those guys will have you know years worth of experience on their belt so i think people are going to try to compare them to you know that virginia team that lost as a 16 seed and then won the national title the year after but i i don't know that i see that um and then for illinois yeah i mean you know like it's great news for them but um i i feel like they're sort of in a similar boat where um you know it's, it's great to have those two pieces back they you know they still have to um, overcome the losses of Melendez and Epps. Um, and I, I don't know that there's any less pressure on this program going into the season, especially when there's just a lot of question marks around 
Underwood's ability to manage uh, the team and get them to play consistently. So, uh, but, but I think w- what this does do is for the rest of the conference that maybe saw an opening with, um, you know, potentially those three guys in the draft and those two programs, maybe not as strong as contenders for the conference title. I think those hopes and dreams were probably crushed um, as, you know, I'd, 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 I'd bet a non insignificant amount of money that these two programs end up in the top four of the conference when the, the season's over. So not a lot of room for other teams to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, bit of a bit of a window closing. I think, you know, Illinois obviously got some more questions, but Purdue does too. I think, you know, we'll talk about the lack of wing depth later uh, as we get towards the start of the season. But I think both of those fan bases are going to be happy that, that those two guys are, Returning, um, and I guess a quick, quick shout out to Cliff O'Marie being back at Rutgers, too. Um, speaking of Rutgers, one last news item before we get out of here. Uh, Paul Mulcahy, a late transfer from Rutgers, um, I think based on what I'd read kind of at the time, it was kind of writing on the wall sort of thing. Um, you know, they're ready to kind of move on. He's ready to move on and kind of use his last year. Um, I mean... I like a lot of what Mulcahy brings to the table. Um, I think that Rutgers fans are, were right to be kind of frustrated with his lack of, of, you know, showing up down the stretch last year. But I think there's, it'll be a hole at Rutgers, um, you know, even with Derek Simpson set to, to take the reins at point guard. Um, but I think Mulcahy can still bring a lot of really interesting things to his next team. Um, I think that you're looking at a six, seven guy who can handle and distribute the ball, not the most consistent shooter, a pretty tough kid. Um, he will get on everybody's nerves just by complaining a lot, but who doesn't these days? Um, but I think, I think, yeah, especially, you know, he's been linked to potentially a couple different big 10 teams. Uh, and I think, you know, there's, there is some opportunity kind of there. Um, I think, I think, especially as a veteran point guard presence, there's a lot to be said for that, especially as you get into March. All right. And uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Um, thank you, as always, for spending your time with us. Uh, and, I, you know, we'll we'll be back at some point with, with any important news as it happens. Uh, otherwise, uh, definitely look for us as the season is getting started. I, I know I know August is a hotbed of, of college basketball activity. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, we're looking forward to next season. We hope you enjoy the draft. And we will see you next time.